Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 turn to genesis chapter 11 this morning as we uh, begin to cover an important subject uh, as we continue this series on end times uh, i am shocked about how many people do not understand what the Bible says about what's coming down the pike. And God did not want His people to get caught off guard. He, you know, doesn't play hide-and-seek with His people. He doesn't play games with His people. He gives His people the game plan. And uh, there's probably, from what I heard this morning, one stat says that maybe 10 to 15% of the church's max are even speaking about prophecy anymore today. And prophecy covers 26% of the Bible. So to not even talk about what God has coming, what He has in store for both believers and unbelievers is a tragedy because you're ignoring 25-26% of the Bible. You know, we have a responsibility to prepare our people uh, no matter how difficult the messages may seem, I think they need to be even cranked up a notch as we head down the home stretch of history. Um, and Jesus said we are to recognize signs. We don't predict the day or the hour, but we definitely need to be in tune with what's happening on a world scene in order to understand the urgency of the matter. We're living in a day like never before. And so it is the obligation of leadership to always prepare the people. In Ezekiel chapter 33, in verse 6, it says this, But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, that person is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. And it's a serious matter. It's a serious matter. This morning we're covering a serious subject, um, what we would state as the new world order or the one world government, I've entitled it the coming one world government, new world order is a term that you're starting to hear more about, especially in the political world. Uh, if you follow um, politics or, or politicians, what they say on, on television, which I think we should, be doing that because we have to have our ears to the track too as to what's happening in our own country. But if you, if you uh, listen to them, you're starting to hear this idea of new world order uh, come about. One world government is going to start to be 
uh, stated a lot more, and we're seeing that as the removal of borders start to take place in countries around the world just through the invention of the internet and world leaders starting to join hands and trying to usher in what God specifically speaks about is going to happen in the end times. Now, when we look at the elections that just took place, we had two presidents or, or two candidates running for the office of presidency, and they could not be further from their worldview. When you listen to them speak, when you uh, hear them talk, they are totally in different camps when it comes to the worldview. For instance, on April 5th, 2013, in his speech to the Export-Import Bank, Joe Biden said, the affirmative task we now have is to create a new world order. This was right after Obama's uh, re-election, and he's addressing the banking system there, and that was his statement, new world order. Donald Trump, on the other hand, stunned the United Nations General Assembly when he said in a speech at the UN, on September of 2019, a year ago. The future does not belong to globalists. The future belongs to patriots. He argued strongly for America first national sovereignty. And so uh, when you look at all the politicians through the years, you begin to see that many of them are on board with a new world order. Now, I'm excited after the elections. I have to tell you, I was going to be excited one way or another. Uh, it didn't matter who I voted for. I was going to wake up the next morning, and I was going to be excited about what God was doing. And I feel that now we are on a fast track to globalism. I really feel that if nothing happens, if, if uh, uh, the ballots are all counted, um, and Trump does not win re-election, that Biden will take office. And I got to tell you, I will submit to the President of the United States. That is my duty. Unless they ask us to violate God's Word, I have an obligation to whoever's leading our government. I have an obligation to pray for them. I have an obligation to be uh, obedient to them, like I said, unless it comes to violating the or ordination of the Lord in church, in my personal life, those type of things. I cannot allow my convictions to be washed away. I've got to be like Daniel. In fact, if you're in a life group, and you should be in a life group, especially at a time like this, this next week, you're going to be talking about Daniel in chapter 6, and how he was in Babylon, and he did not cave in uh, to his convictions. He disobeyed the government because they were asking him to do something that violated his responsibility before the Lord. God is always the highest authority. But that being said, I really believe that we are on the fast track to globalism. The Bidens, Obamas, Bushes, and Clintons were all big supporters of the New World Order, which would be the catalyst for ushering in the one world government that you're going to see talked about today. And as we talk about this today, we're going to begin where it all begins when we speak of a one world government, and we're going to end where it all ends as far as a one world government is concerned. So Genesis chapter 11, we're going to read the first nine verses. Isn't it good to be in God's place? Isn't it good to hear God's Word? 
I'm telling you, I'm going to preach to you all day long. We're, no, you know what? I'm not jumping from Genesis to Revelation. I'm going to go from Genesis through all the way to Revelation. Is that okay? All right. I love people who love God's Word. All right, now let's begin in verse 1. We're going to read the first nine verses. Now the whole earth had one language in the same words. Those key words there, I want you to tuck those in to your mind because they are very important, especially as we get into the book of Revelation in a few moments. The whole earth, one language, the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top is in the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, behold, they are one people and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they purpose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. By the way, the reversal took place on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was um, poured out. They spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues, but each one heard them in their own language, glorifying God. So you've got a reversal of Babel. That's what the church is. The church is a reversal of Babel, which we'll, we'll see in a, in a moment. But, but Babel, Babylon is the, the world. So um, come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city. Therefore, its name was called what? Babel. Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of all the earth, and from there the Lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth. And that's where you get the term, that guy is just babbling, right? That's where it comes from is the Scriptures. There's so many terms that we use today in our language that are found in the scriptures. Lord, we pray for your word to penetrate each one of our hearts in our short time together. We pray this in Jesus' name. So the thing I want to talk about first as we deal with the one world government, we're going to talk about the one world government in the past because here's where it all begins. The roots are in Babel. The roots are in Babel. This is where it's all rooted. When you read the book of Revelation, you think, see things culminating, see the rise of the Antichrist, see a one-world government uh, that's forming and fashing and actually ruling the world at that time. It all begins here in Babel. This was the first attempt of man trying to rule the world on his own. Babylon is mentioned, by the way, the reason why we connect Babel to Babylon. Babylon is the Greek of the Hebrew Babel. So we read Babel. The Greek is Babylon. So when you're looking at Babel and you read through the Scriptures, you, every time you come across Babylon, this is where it began. Now when you look at this, 300 times in the Scripture, Babylon is mentioned. 300 times. So it's, it holds a significant role. But 
Jerusalem's mentioned 809 times in the Scriptures, so it's even more significant. But when you look at Babel, Babylon, when you look at Jerusalem, Jerusalem is God's city. That's, that's God's city. Babylon is going to be everything that's anti-God like what you see taking place here in chapter 11. The whole earth had one language and the same words. And this is man's first attempt at a one-world government, a.k.a. globalism. And this is the first United Nations meeting, as you, if you will. You had everybody together in one place. You had the rulers there you, they, they, they had a plan. They came up with their own plan. They devised their own plan. And how many know when you devise your own plan outside of God, you're in trouble? There's a way that seems right, according to Proverbs, to a man, but in the end it leads to destruction. And man is so good at devising things that sound right to them, and in the end it leads to destruction. So the roots that you see when you talk about one world government, and, and you will, and many times in prophecy you're going to see this mentioned. You even see it in the Old Testament. You're going to see it in the book of Isaiah. Uh, you're going to see it in uh, Jeremiah chapter 50, 51. You're going to see it uh, in Zechariah chapter 5. You see this idea of pointing towards another Babylon that's going to come on the rise in the last days, but the roots begin right here, and that's why I believe it's important to start where it begins as we talk about a one-world government. So that's the roots. I want you to see the rebellion at Babel. Look at chapter 10. Chris covered some of this, so I'm not going into depth. If you weren't here last week, I would encourage you to listen to the message. He did an outstanding job on Nimrod, uh, Semiramis, and uh, Tammuz, uh, the, the, the religion, the false religion that began there. But I want you to see this once again. Look at verse 8 in chapter 10. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on the earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord, the beginning of his kingdom was Babel. This is where the beginning of his kingdom. He was a mighty man. Doesn't get into too much definition on how mighty he was and why he was considered a mighty man, except he was a good hunter like your pastor here. I got a deer head on my wall there from Canada. And anyway, that's another story. So he was a mighty man, and his, we know that he's the founder of Babel. This is the beginning of his kingdom. Now, Nimrod means let us rebel. That's what his name means. Whenever you're reading the Bible and you see some of these names in Scripture, always do a study on the name because the name is going to give you a peek into the character of the person and what God is doing through that person or with that person at the time. So it's very, very important. So let us rebel because that's what you really see going on here in Genesis chapter 11 is rebellion against God. Now, people ask me sometimes, what was the sin there? Well, it doesn't get too definitive on what the sin was there at Babel. Why was God so upset? And uh, there's a couple things going on. I'll get into the, the religious part in a moment just for, for time. But, but, but the main thing is they violated God's command and they wanted to do things their way. Now, when God created man and woman... Remember in Genesis chapter 1, 
He created them in his image. His image. And he said to be fruitful and multiply and to fill the earth. And why is that important? Because kings always put their images everywhere. Uh, you know, when Saddam Hussein ruled Babylon, right? When he ruled uh, Iraq, that's where Babylon is. The Babylon we're speaking of is modern-day Iraq. When he ruled it, he had billboards everywhere. Even at one point, he had his face distorted to look like Nebuchadnezzar in the Old Testament, the king of Babylon, who had taken the Israelites captive. And so in that, um, in that idea of image, uh, they would put their image. Even if you go to Thailand today, you're going to see pictures of the king. Even in the churches, they're required to put a picture of the king. It's not a big one, and it's off to the side, but they want their image everywhere so that there is no question as to who rules the show. This is what God wanted. That he wanted his image bearers scattered throughout the world so people could see what it looks like when a world is run by God's people. When, when a world is reflecting his image. So that be fruitful and multiply is a command from God, the first one given to him and her together, and to fill the earth. And what did they do? Nimrod draws them all to Babel, a direct violation of God's command. And that's pride. That's pride. Whenever you violate God's command and you know it and you go ahead and do it, that is pride in your heart. All sin begins with pride. Okay? So, so, so here, anyway, things didn't go right. Um, uh, you know there was a flood in chapter 6, right? God calls Noah out, they build an ark, the whole world is, is wiped out uh, because of the evil and the wickedness that was going on in that time, at that day. And so then Noah lands, and one of the first things that's given to him is a command. When he, after the flood waters subside and they come off the ark, um, they are given that command to be fruitful and to multiply once again. So we see in Genesis, uh, he says, be fruitful, chapter 9, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish, da, da, da. So that command is given again because that's a biggie with God. That's why it's important that you just don't come to church, friends. You're an image bearer that God has scattered everywhere so people can see what it looks like when people are ruled by God. This is why we, are, we, don't, we don't play games like the world plays games. We don't do things the way the world does things. That's why people look at you and they say, man, that guy's different. Look at how good his family is. Look how great he's got things. He just always has it together. His kids are growing up nicely and um, you know, they're, they're always handing things out to me. They're always wanting to minister to me and everything because we look different than the world. We're an image bearer. And so here, it's a biggie with God. And that's why the church is scattered throughout the entire world that was birthed on the day of Pentecost by the Holy Spirit. Boom, everyone goes. He says, Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judea, he said, not just in Samaria, but to the uttermost parts of the world because now you've got unredeemed people all of a sudden saved. Their lives are transformed into the image of God and they're being scattered again throughout the world. 
so big with God. But Nimrod, he doesn't care. I mean, any mighty man. Sometimes, I got to be honest with you, it makes me sick the way politicians talk about God. You know, they can say God all they want and use the word faith all they want and say this. How many times do they ever say Jesus? Oh, look, they, they love God. No, they don't. When they despise Jesus, they hate God. Chuck Schumer singing God Bless America after the, the you know, really? That's blasphemous before the Lord. First of all, God doesn't owe America a dime. We have reaped what we're sowing. And politicians stand up and use the God talk all the time. Why? Because it was foundational of this country. And they want to sing God bless America. That's spitting in his face when you sit there and you pass legislation that slaughters the unborn. That's enough. The religion of Babel is what I want you to understand. It says they're building, if you look at verse 4, a tower with its top in the heavens. Babel means, as Chris said, gate of gods. Bab, gate, El is God or gods, plural. And so Babel, gate of, a gate of the gods. In other words, here, listen to me. Every religion in the world is a religion trying to build the tower of Babel. Every religion says, I'm going to reach God on my own, not on his terms, on my terms. I'm going to build it the way I want to build it. And so they, they're building this tower in disobedience to God and probably spiritualizing it. Look, we're going to reach the heavens. And, and all of a sudden you got this going on. And the real problem with the religion was the mother-child cult. That mother-child cult that we had, Chris had talked about Last week, he also brought in the father, uh, but, but it's a, it's a mother-child cult that spread throughout the world, and, and Chris did great talking about that. Um, Alexander Hislop has a, a book out called The Two Babylons, and this is where he did his research on, and every, every child, every, what you had there, you had Nimrod, the story goes, tradition goes, Mary Semiramis, and they have uh, Tammuz. Tammuz is resurrected from the dead three days after he's killed wild boar hunting. And so you got this mother-child cult starting there, and it spread throughout the entire world. You could literally tra trace it to almost every single culture, and you'll find a mother-child cult there, and all the way to Roman Catholicism, where it's Mary and Jesus is the name. It isn't one of the Greek goddesses and, and the Greek church, but, but, but you've got Roman Catholicism, and is Mary Jesus' mother? Absolutely. But there's an unhealthy emphasis put on the mother that um, the rosary and Hail Mary's, ten Hail Mary's, there's this exaltation. There's a doctrine out there uh, called um, the Immaculate Conception, which, which speaks of uh, Mary having been conceived and has no sin, and so you've got this going on where they declare Mary to be sinless, even though the Bible never says that. And, and Jesus is sometimes put in second, uh, the second seat there, you see, because the mother now, is Mary blessed among all women? Absolutely. Do Protestants give her enough credit? Probably not, because they come against this stuff. 
so hard. But Mary is blessed among all women, but she is never to be exalted as a co-redemptress. So this cult starts in Genesis 11, and it makes its way throughout the entire world. And you're going to see it um, unfold uh, false religion in the last days, even though it doesn't specifically say mother-son uh, cult. So the religion of Babel was something that God never ordained. And that's why it's important to read the Old Testament, friends. It's important, beloved, that you read the Old Testament, that the New Testament isn't all we have. In the Old Testament, the, the first five books are foundational to what we understand as Christians. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977